up and welcome in. We are your all-stars of Minnesota soccer podcasting. Jeremy Rushing and Dominic Jose Bisogno here for you. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. Episode 103 in your ears right now. Dom, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, been having a, a good time working on articles and uh, very happy with the uh, response to my, my latest one, the Michael Vane article on, on the Soda Soccer website. So uh, yeah, just having a good time and look forward to, to chatting today. Yeah, a really good catch up there with uh, with Michael and what he's up to in Columbus. Obviously, he's having a really good season with Columbus Crew 2 and MLS Next Pro. Um, talks a little bit about his um, his movement away from Ford Madison, um, kind of his, you know, his ties still back to the local community, being from St. Paul, sort of being a, a representative of the Hmong community in general um, with his standing in the professional soccer space. So um, just a really, really good article. I think a lot of people have been wondering what Michael's been up to lately. Um, you know, maybe seeing that he's in MLS Next Pro, but maybe not knowing how he's doing or keeping too close tabs on him. So um, really cool to uh, to get that catch up. So excellent work on that, Dom. But yes, check that out. SodaSoccer.com. If you want to hear the full interview with Michael, you know, we only, you know, Dom only posted a, you know, three or four quotes on the, in the article itself. Um, but there's a lot of content, a lot of good stuff from Michael in the interview itself. We have the audio up for you actually on the Soda Soccer Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash soda soccer. Um, if you subscribe in the $5 tiers or higher, you'll get access to that bonus content. That was kind of our episode of 10K stoppage time last week was that interview with Michael Vang. So make sure you're checking all that out, checking out the website and supporting us if you can. But a lot to get to on this episode of, uh, of 10K Down. We have all-star talk, a lot of other things happening. Our first glimpse at college soccer which is pretty, or the, you know, the fall college season, sort of preseason getting kicked off a little bit, which is crazy to think about that we're kind of already talking about fall sports and, and the college soccer season getting started. But here we are. So a lot to get to. And of course, it starts with Minnesota United. Now we will get to this amazing all-star week in just a minute. But since we last recorded, there was a match that was played in Colorado and did very late 90 minute weather delay. And all in all, it was a four to three loss for the Loons on the road at Colorado Rapids um, as the second straight match where the Loons have given up four goals. They score seven goals in two matches, Dom. You only get one point. It's got to, you know, this team has been on a good run of form. When you look at just the last, you know, the last number of games as a whole, and you think, okay, that's, that's not, it's not a bad run. They're, you know, they're up to, I think points per game. They're still fourth in the West. So things are good, but Man, a, a real missed opportunity it feels over these last couple of weeks to really make even more headway uh, in the standings and get a couple bigger results. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know between those two games, um, we, we've seen a, a defense perform far far worse than we know it can. Um, albeit with the, the Colorado game with some some changes of personnel um, across across the pitch. Um, and, and so, you know, it's been disappointing, obviously, like you said, when you score that many goals between two games, you sort of expect to get, uh, you know, four to six points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously that's not what happened. So that's disappointing, uh, you know, especially with one of them being at home, uh, the other, of course, being on the road, but the Rapids are, are, are not, you know, that for, for all the sort of weird history that Minnesota United and, and the Colorado Rapids have against each other the Rapids should not be a road trip that any team feels, you know, is a lost cause. That's a place you should feel you, sh- you can fight for points just based on their overall form. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's a rough one. Um, Colorado, it, it's funny because Colorado, their last two games were very similar in the sense that they were both goal fests, um, one at home, one on the road, but they managed to win both of them. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 5-4 against the Red Bulls, I think it was, and then obviously 4-3 against uh, Minnesota United. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you have wild games like that, I suppose there is a sense of, you know, there's always going to be winners and losers, and, and sometimes teams just figure it out, and sometimes they don't. That being said, yeah, it was disappointing to see a Loons team that clearly is very talented um, and, and arguably has had a problem this season of, of having very low-scoring games. Um disappointing to just see them not quite be able to string together performances back to back like that. Uh, obviously giving up points to, to other Western conference teams as well is not uh, a great 
uh, addition to the puzzle, given that we're in that sort of that, that playoff run point of the season. And, and while Minnesota's in an overall good position, there's certainly uh, the possibility that they drop far from it. So again, uh, you know, a rough one. I, I, I appreciate that there were some loons that, that were asked to perform against Colorado that haven't had a lot of minutes and, and, you know, Abu Dinladi gets uh, a goal early on, you know, those sorts of things. Those were highlights, but the overall team performance simply wasn't good enough. It's this weird, almost whack-a-mole situation where, you know, how long have we been talking about, man, this team is so good defensively, you know, just imagine when they, when they're, you know, just what would happen if they were able to consistently score goals? If only this team was able to consistently score goals, then we man, they'd really, <laughs> they'd really be flying. They'd, you know, they'd be a team to beat. You know, they'd, they'd really have it figured out, you know, on yeah. the, you know, in the entire length of the pitch. Um, and here we are <laughs> seven goals, scored seven in your last two matches. Luis Amaria is on fire. Like you're even without Emmanuel Reynoso and you're still finding ways to consistently put the ball in the back of the net. But all of a sudden now it's the defense that's the issue. And it's just this, man, you finally get it figured out on one end. And suddenly now you have these other problems that have sort of we've been hinting at and alluding to. Uh, Personally, I didn't think the dam would break this badly, this quickly. But you mentioned something with personnel, Dom. And I think that is something to take into consideration when you're looking at this is Minnesota United hasn't had their, their full strength ideal defensive midfield in what, a month and a half? Like it's, yeah. it's been a while. It's been since at least mid-July since Will Trapp and Kervin Ariaga have been starting together in the defensive midfield. And so when when you're Minnesota United and that's such a, an important position and it's kind of that first line of defense for you, at least one of those two is going to act as that first line of defense pretty much at all times. And you lose that. And then in this last game against Colorado, you're missing Michael Boxall as well. You know, it's just a, you know, and, and not to make excuses, but those emissions are are glaring and they're obvious. And, and maybe a guy like Will Trapp, you know, we've been, we've been critical at times and, but maybe he's, uh, you know, showing through his not being on the pitch and we're seeing what's happening, maybe how defensively influential he, he was on this team or he has been on this team. Yeah. Maybe there's something about those uh, first half yellow cards. We don't understand, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, yes. The, and I, I've seen some folks uh, sort of note that point. I think there's 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 uh, relevancy to it. You know, the fact that obviously some of these results have come very clearly after Will Trapp's been out of the side, and and that is a fair point. That's probably a factor. I I, I think part of it is is probably even aside from potentially the fact that just him as an individual, his presence. I think part of it is even just not having your two guys in the midfield. Yeah. Uh, having Ariaga and Trapp together, not having your cemented pairing, uh, you know, that can have long-term ramifications. I don't think the people that have been plugged into those spots have been bad. I mean, uh, we, we, we've been talking about how uh, Robin Lud, for example, has kind of stepped up and, and yep. done, done well in his sort of makeshift midfield role that he's, he's had in some of these games. Um, but when you have, you know, that, that defensive midfield, central midfield area, how you structure that, especially these days, the way the game is played, uh, it, that's kind of the make or break for a lot of teams. When you have a team that kind of gets a certain setup that they like, that they stay with, and then they don't have that option anymore, you know, that that's, that would be a big problem. Um, and certainly, you know, Ariaga and Trap are, are talented players who seem to have, have found a good rhythm together more often than not. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I do think that one, the absence of Will Trapp specifically, but but also potentially just that the absence of the system that you've sort of worked on. Um, it's clearly had an effect. Uh, and, and then, you know, particularly in the Colorado game, then you have more pressure on a back line that also has some abs- absences. Obviously, Coleman starting that game, um, who, who is a good player. But again, that's it's not what's been the rhythm. It's not what's been the usual. And, and that can cause problems, even if the replacement piece is a great piece. Um so, yeah, it, it's like you said, it, it, it does feel a little whack-a-mole like in the sense that for, for a while scoring was the problem. Now scoring is very much not the problem, but the conceding is the problem in a way that we haven't really seen all season. Um, it's, it's a weird one. Uh, you know, I think there are, are, are worse things a team t- can do than concede a couple of goals to, you know, Jossie's artist, but at the same time, uh, it's a disappointing result from a team that you know can do better than that. 
even shorthanded. Um, and, and of course, the fact that that Portland result came right before kind of creates a context that, that, that makes it probably feel more negative. But yeah, again, it's, it's a rough one. The fact that now they got to travel to Nashville, which it obviously is a good team. Um, not probably the way you would want to follow up those two games, but it, it just means that they now have to figure out, they have to piece that puzzle together on the road and um, find a way to, to maintain the scoring rhythm uh, without maintaining the defensive rhythm. So let's get into this match specifically against Colorado. Started on a very good note for the Loons. Donlani gives him the early lead, but you get the first of two miscues from Dane St. Clair uh, quickly after um, where a, a long shot comes in from Diego Rubio. Um, it is a scorcher, but that's one that, you know, if you're a starting goalkeeper in MLS, you should be able to corral. Dane is unable to corral that one, sort of juggles it a little bit. Zardes is just bearing down on goal, and he's able to uh, to basically score a tap-in off of that mishandle from St. Clair to make it 1-1. And then Rubio in the 15th, this was the head scratcher. I mean, you, you talk about the, the Dane St. Clair mishandles and mistakes, but to concede off of a direct throw-in is pretty wild. Um, there's just this crowd of three guys. It's almost as if there's a force field around Diego Rubio when he's standing inside the six-yard box. Coleman is up ahead of him. Uh, Benitez is behind him. Uh, it's just it's this it's this weird situation where nobody is really bearing down on Rubio, who's you know he's got to be a focal point of your game plan if you're Minnesota United. Hey, this is one of those guys you've got to stop. You got to keep an eye on. You got to make sure on set pieces you know where this guy is. Um, and it was just a little bit of a falling asleep miscommunication. Maybe they thought St. Clair was going to come out and punch it away or grab it, which he could have easily done being that that throw came in so close to goal, but everybody just sort of stands and watches except for Rubio who's right there. I mean, puts it right in the bread basket, right on the head. You didn't even really have to move for it. And uh, just puts it in the back of the net. Just a bizarre sequence there, Dom. I don't know if I've really seen anything, anything like that, that direct throw so close to goal just resulting in an easy an easy tap head in basically like that it was just bizarre yeah it's not too yeah, often you see that tactic uh work that well at that level right you know the 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 long throw sort of stuff uh is is very popular at you know certain uh, collegiate levels or or you know amateur levels npsl that sort of thing but uh I, I, you don't see it work too often and MLS specifically in that like a first half, you know, when you do see it work uh, at a high level, it's usually at the end of the game, everyone's tired and it's just kind of a free for all. Mm. Uh, a first 15 minute uh, uh, long throw goal is, 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 I don't know if I've even seen that in the MPSL. Um, yeah. So that, that's strange. And yeah, you know, it's one of those weird things. And obviously we'll talk about uh, this later, but oddly enough, yeah, you know, Dane St. Clair between these two games, some of his uh, some one of the poor stints of of play we've really seen from him. Uh, well, you know, certain this season, but 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 in a long time. Um, and of course, it comes right before he he ends up having a, a really good uh, uh, all star performance. Yeah, um, but but uh, yeah, it, it's a tough one. I you know I don't think it doesn't change my opinions about him or anything as uh, you know as mm -hmm. the player that should be playing that that role, but. Uh, a really rough uh, uh, stint for for him, and I think a reminder for um, the loons that his performances that have been high level have perhaps meant more to this team than we sometimes talk about. Yeah. Uh, and so when Dane Sinclair isn't having a great day, suddenly things uh, you know really seem to to fall apart. Um, and and that's something that probably requires discussion from from the defensive side of, of Minnesota United. But yeah, it, it's a rough one. You know, again, you feel bad. He's obviously a, a young guy who's given so many great performances. Then that probably means that this was going to come. But it is rough, particularly in back to back games, to uh, obviously see see him uh, have such a direct role in in, in conceding um, yep. several goals. Yeah. There was one goal you could look at uh, in the 15th, off, actually off another throw-in, uh, go figure, uh, that, you okay, there's probably nothing he could have done there. But it was, again, another sort of uh, – another instance of the defense from Minnesota United to sort of falling asleep at the wheel is uh, a quick throw-in from about midfield. 
and it ends up at the foot of Zardes for his second goal for the brace. But I mean, Colorado just out hustles Minnesota in this scenario um, and just sort of uh, out- outwits them, just out efforts them, out everything's them in this uh, in this scenario to make it three to one. Amaria scores just before halftime, eighth goal of the year. Really, really nice play here from Benitez to nutmeg the defender to find Amaria and an even better turn and finish for Luis. He continues his great form. Uh, Zardes completes the hat trick off another mishandle from St. Clair in the 61st to make it 4-2. And then uh, Coleman heads in a goal to make it 4-3 and uh, right around the 80th or 81st minute to give the Loon some life. And they almost equalize. Uh, Bungie gets in on goal in about the 84th or 85th minute. Uh, but a really, really nice save from Yarborough um, preserves the win for Colorado. So now Minnesota United coming off of that one, you know, the, the Dane St. Clair uh, performance is, is very much at the top of the, uh, the talking points, if you will, um, heading into this one for, for Nashville, his sort of up and down week where he sort of has arguably one of the worst performances he's ever had in a Minnesota United uniform, but then he follows that up by getting the all-star game MVP. So we'll see what kind of form he'll be in for Nashville. Um, I actually tend to think that all-star performance uh, maybe, maybe saves him a starting spot against Nashville. Um, you know, really important for him to have that other opportunity because I mean, we've seen, we've seen Adrian Heath, you know, we've seen that these keepers considering who's on the bench behind them, either way, um, have a understandably short leash. Um, when you have a guy like Tyler Miller sitting on the bench, you know, who's a, a starting keeper in this league, basically anywhere else. Um, you know, it, it's, it's easy to understand that, you know, not too many mistakes will be, uh, will be looked at and, um, you know, cause to not make a change. Uh, if you're, if you're Adrian Heath. So, um, I was thinking after the match, now I asked Adrian Heath about it after the Colorado match. Hey, does this change who you look at, uh, next time out against Nashville for a starting goalkeeper? And he, he wouldn't comment on that at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but I was thinking like, okay, I I bet you were going to see Tyler Miller, but after the all-star game, which I guess we'll get to now, I think maybe Dane sort of gives himself a, a second chance. What say you, who do you think starts in net against Nashville on Sunday? It's tough to gosh, it does feel brutal to drop the uh, all-star MVP. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I would stick with St. Clair only because, you know, so, so obviously both St. Clair and Miller are very talented. They both have a lot of potential. They both have a high ceiling for performance. I think, such a big part of any position, certainly goalkeepers, is is the you know confidence and momentum, emotional momentum, and if St. Clair can have a good game against Nashville, you can you know Heath can really harness the moment, what what you get out of that All Star performance, and and get him to a much better place mm-hmm. um, on a quick notice on a very short turnover, and having a confident high energy Sinclair at the back of the team for me is the better position to be in. So I, I would like, I would rather uh, that Heath, you know, if you want to call it, take, take a risk. I don't know if I'd call it that, but I'd rather that he takes the risk and, and keeps Sinclair in goal. That being said, I, I understand that this sort of form has caused a switch between the two before. So I, I would not be shocked if, um, if Miller, you know, what, what wasn't, wasn't goal for that national day. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, it was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate 
and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to PenceHomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at Nate at PenceHomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com. Also, make sure you let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's PenceHomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com. So as far as the All-Star game goes, DSC does win the MVP. MLS wins 2-1 to one over Liga MX. Uh, it was an early goal from Carlos Vela giving MLS the lead. And then uh, the second half uh, was a PK from Raul Ruiz Diaz to secure the win for MLS, their second straight win over Liga MX uh, in this all-star format. Um, some other loons notes from the weekend. Actually, it was a big weekend for Minnesota, not just from the fact that they were hosting the all-star game, but had a lot of um, you know academy and reserve players involved in other you know facets of the weekend. Uh, UFC 2 goalkeeper Alex Smear wins the return of Goalie Wars at Tuesday's Skills Challenge, which is really cool. And then uh, 17-year-old Academy product Carlos Leatherman plays 45 minutes in the MLS Next All-Star Game. Uh, you can see a video that we posted on our Twitter at Soda SOC. Um, just kind of uh, he, he got some time on the ball. He did well. He didn't score a goal or anything, didn't assist. But, um, you know, he took advantage of the time he had on the ball. So showed off some really nice dribbling and, um, you know, one-on-one play. So um, just a really, really good uh, showcase for Minnesota's reserve and academies, especially considering that reserve, considering that reserve side is just in its first year. Um, Dom, what are your general thoughts on the week as a whole and Minnesota's job as a host? You know, my, my wife and I went to the Khalid concert on Monday uh, in downtown. And I think MLS did a really good job of putting on not only the events uh, right there at Allianz field, but if that concert was any indication you know, where they were at elsewhere in the Twin Cities, putting on other type of events that maybe don't even directly have to, you know, relate to soccer. Um, I thought everything I experienced all week long was was A+. Uh, what did you think of, of Minnesota as an all-star host? Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like things went well. Um, very cool that, that, that Khalid performed. That's a, a really cool um, pull to, to get more energy mm-hmm. into the week than – uh, the, the the game itself and the still challenge day all seemed to go well. You know, it was cool to see there were um, different opportunities through the week where a lot of sort of uh, parts of the Minnesota soccer community outside of that of the literal sort of MLS bubble got to benefit from from the the week, from the attention, from the energy of of All Star Week. You know, I saw uh, you know the folks from Seoul, the cities, getting involved in stuff. Obviously. Blackheart hosted, you know, extra time. You have a lot of different sort of little connecting points between uh, Minnesota and the Twin Cities soccer communities, which are obviously great communities. And, and then that broader um, American or MLS uh, soccer world community. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think a lot of people benefited from it, which is great. I think uh, uh, it, it was a great way to further affirm the value of a place like Allianz Field, of course, bringing all that to St. Paul. Uh, and, and, you know, it seemed like everybody that went to, uh, any of the events had, had a great time. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that, um, Minnesota got to be a part of that history and, uh, you're glad that more and more people got to get a glimpse of, of the, uh, the quality that exists, uh, in Minnesota soccer scene. Did you see the video of the loon drone before the game? No, I don't think I did. <laughs> Look it up. I want your I want your live reaction. So just go to Twitter and just search Loon Drone, and I want you to watch this. And I want I want to get your reaction. I'm not gonna Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna comment on it myself. I'm not gonna offer my personal opinion. I just want you to watch and and take it in live here on the podcast. Loon Drone. (laughs) Great. (laughs) The first tweet I see is "Oh shit, there's a Loon Drone with glowing red." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is funny oh and that this is a better angle oh wow that's funny that actually looks very good they, that that's funny so who I don't did know that? Who, was that the the mls did that my guess is mls did that but i feel like they need to just give that to minnesota to use before every home game like that needs yeah. to be a part of every home game they had the fire on the pitch in the pregame too i feel like we need to get that involved as well i feel like minnesota just needs to take some cues from the all-star game and really, really, uh, I mean, the, the in match production and, and experience is, is already fantastic. Like the in-stadium experience is already great, but yeah, I, I do uh, think that we at least need the loon drone before every game. Yeah. 
They should strap like a camera onto that or something and do like loon vision or something. Ooh, do a fan. That's amazing. You know, fly around the, the stands and stuff. I love that idea so much. We need to pitch that. Who has Bill McGuire's phone number? Let's pitch that. Because <laughs> uh, maybe Wes Burdine does. He, t- he's talk- he talks yeah, to him every week. We'll, we'll hit up Wes <laughs> and see if he can forward that, uh, forward that idea along to Bill. But uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of Wes, he had the, the Blackheart hosting the uh, the Extra Time MLS podcast, which is uh, cool. I listened to that. It seemed like a great time. Um, the Cooligans did like a live comedy performance as well. Um, yeah, I just think all in all, you know, I really have nothing to compare it to because I've never been to another MLS All-Star Week before. Mm-hmm. But the people who have, you know, I, I just started doing some work this week for the striker, uh, you know, personal, you know, uh, uh, you know, a little bump there for myself. But anyways, <laughs> um, uh, I was talking to some of the guys who write for the striker, uh, you know, who cover Austin FC, FC Dallas, LAFC, you know, some of those markets. Um, they were talking about how, you know, this is one of the better, the best all-star weeks that they've experienced too. Uh, just from a production standpoint, it, it seems like the sponsors really invested and MLS really invested in making sure that they were, they were catering to and, um, appealing to, you know, the diehards, the, the media and owners who were here, but also the casual soccer fans that might exist in, in, in the twin cities, the ones that might go out, you know, to, Ladonia at 6 30 a.m. to watch Everton, but may not, you know, really go to many loons games. You know, the same right. with the the Ar- local Arsenal, Man United supporters groups who are super into the Premier League, but may not be as into MLS. I think there was a lot to appeal to them as well this week as well. So I just think all in all, they kind of hit every point they needed to hit. And obviously you you follow it up with a really great match and a great showcase for MLS and obviously Minnesota with Dan St. Clair winning the MVP. So I don't really see how it could have gone better from a Minnesota perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, obviously a, a, a positive night for Adrian Heath and all that. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, think that, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that Minnesota benefited really every way it pretty much could from, from, uh, from the night, which is great to see it. Also, one last note on this that pops to mind is uh, shout out to uh, to Sarah Fuller, who somehow managed to be at every single event. Dude, uh, okay. Did she I'm have like a personal Sarah Fuller is a time traveler. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, uh, we, we have to like get her on the show or something to see how she did this and what her week was like. Because yeah. so I was at the Khalid concert on Monday. She introduced Khalid. And then I kid you not, like six minutes later, I get a tweet notification and it's her hanging out with the Cooligans at the Blackheart. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not a short drive from downtown no. Minneapolis to where the Blackheart is in St. Paul. Like, I don't know how, I don't know what she was doing, how she was getting from A to B. But yeah, she was <laughs> she was literally involved in everything, which was which was awesome to see. I mean, cool for, you know, obviously the work she did with Minnesota Aurora this summer was great. And it's cool that she'll kind of always be, ingrained in that fabric of the twin city soccer community as well and i think any you know any one of those big events that happens in or around the twin cities from a soccer perspective i have to imagine they'll be giving sarah a call to come back for those because uh and she did she did an excellent job at everything i saw some of the videos of her you know on the during that comedy show and obviously saw her on stage in in minneapolis and um just a really cool uh representative for minnesota soccer now and sarah fuller it's cool to have that yeah absolutely i think she was in the Wonderwall or somebody i think i think yep, that's, she uh, she's banging the drums yep so yeah no really really cool that uh you know making the most of of uh the role that she now plays in sort of the the landscape and all that so yeah no really really uh really cool that she was able to be part of not just part of it but but part of so much of it yeah just a really cool week um so that wraps it up for the mls and minnesota united news again sunday they take on nashville 8 p.m kickoff um and that's weird because Nashville's also in the central time zone. So it's not like we're in like a mountain time or Western time team, uh, but it's still an eight o'clock kickoff regardless there in Nashville on Sunday. And we will have post loons for you following that one as well on the Soda Soccer Twitter and YouTube channels. Um, Dom, we sort of teased this earlier. Our first glimpse of the college soccer season um, was uh, over the weekend as the University of Minnesota women beat St. Thomas 2-0 in their first exhibition match. Um, goals from Izzy Brown and Kaya Harper as well. Um, you know, this is going to be interesting because these programs are now in their second year. Um, obviously, the Gophers have been on a bit of an upward trajectory. They were looking really good at about the midway point last season, uh, but they weren't able to get enough results 
in sort of that second half, that that final third of the season, if you will, to solidify that spot in the Big Ten tournament. So um, they, uh, you know, are they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder coming into this season, and um, really interested to see how they perform. Um, and also be interested to see how St. Thomas follows up their first D1 season because they, you know, we talked about the men a lot last year and they were finally able to get two wins at the end of the year. But, you know, St. Thomas was a little bit more consistent in getting their results on the women's side in that first D1 season as well. So we'll see if they can sort of up the uh, up the ante in year two and be even more competitive. But, yeah, the, the storylines abound in college soccer and obviously something we'll be covering all fall long for, for Soda Soccer. But our first glimpse of it, this past weekend, any, any thoughts on this particular match or the upcoming season as a whole, Don? Oh, well, just, you know, obviously it's exciting to see, you know, a couple of D1 teams getting back on the pitch. Um, obviously the, the, the tone or the energy around uh, that, you know, high level women's soccer in the state is, is really at a peak right now with all the energy around Minnesota Aurora, uh, a team that some of these players have, have, have connections to now. Um, and, and so that's all great. Uh, and yeah, just, I, I'm excited to, you know, and then obviously this week, this match happened and that's a couple of weeks. You're going to see pretty much everyone else sort of get into the preseason matches that they have scheduled. And I, I, I really look forward to just seeing that play out. Yeah. A lot of obviously teams trying to mount uh, title defenses and, and of course just different programs trying to build up, including some that are still getting used to, you know, new, new homes, new divisional homes. So yeah, just uh, excited to to have uh, collegiate soccer back. It uh, for a person like me that spends a lot of time paying attention to soccer that isn't um, MLS, which I also pay attention to. But uh, it, it's great to have uh, collegiate soccer in the mix again uh, to sort of keep give me yet another thing to to follow and and think about and write about. So yeah, really looking forward to uh, to everyone getting back on the pitch. Uh, other news, Morgan Turner, of course, uh, Minnesota native and a standout for Minnesota Aurora this past summer, signs a pro contract with Portuguese top-tier side SCU, I believe it's Turin, Turinze, uh, I believe is how you uh, pronounce it. I don't know, Portuguese is a tough language. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, cool to see just a, another Minnesota Aurora talent sort of taking that next step and entering the pro ranks. She's somebody who's, you know, been on uh, the, at, at or near the top of NWSL prospect watch list for the last couple of years as well. So wouldn't be surprised if sooner rather than later she – made a, a return to play pro here uh, in the States, but um, it's that next step for her. And obviously she earned it with a great season for Aurora. So wishing her, wishing her nothing but the best. And that's sort of that, that platform that we were talking about that Minnesota Aurora provides. Sure. Morgan Turner probably would have gotten a chance to play pro, uh, you know, even without the um, without Minnesota Aurora, but it's it just continued to elevate not only her, her visibility, but, she got to show off, uh, in, you know, this summer in a way and on a stage that maybe she wouldn't have gotten to regardless. So I'm sure it played a factor and we'll be interested to see how her career continues to develop now that she's going to be pro over uh, in Portugal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked, uh, must've been an episode or two ago about, you know, the fact that obviously this, this Aurora roster is going to look different next year for a lot of reasons. One of which is that you might have a couple of players that end up, uh, going pro. Uh, obviously Turner becomes sort of the, the, the first big piece from that. And mm -hmm. Hey, I mean, this, this is a, a, a great level for her to, to make that entrance in, you know, the, the Portuguese uh, women's lead. Uh, I know from uh, some other players, that I, some Venezuelan players that, that, that I follow that play there. Uh, it, it's a good lead, a lot of good teams. It's, it's, it's in the upper echelons of, of where uh, you can go for really high level women's football in, in Europe. Uh, so, I mean, it, Great, great place for her to land and and surely a lot of exciting stuff in her future, whether it be at this team long term or, or moves elsewhere. But uh, yeah, excited to see Minnesota uh, represented in, in this way. And also, of course, that, that Aurora roster from this year represented uh, in this way. Morgan Turner, not the only, uh, you know, lower league player kind of taking the next step in their trajectory and and signing a, a pro contract. Uh, Loj Mazanvi. From Minneapolis City, we talked about him all summer long, sort of the work he was doing with the Crows at all levels. He's a young kid, 18 years of age. Uh, signs for MNUFC, too. Uh, he did join the trip to Colorado for their MLS Next Pro match, which started. That's another, <clears throat> that's another thing we didn't get to with the Colorado match. We mentioned the, the weather delay, Dom. Yeah. What we did mention is that they still played the MLS, <laughs> MLS Next Pro match after the 
MLS match ended. So yeah. MNUFC 2 and Rapids 2 kicked off at like 11 p.m. local time there in Colorado, which was midnight central. That match kicked Crazy. off. There were about 25 fans still in attendance <laughs> at Dick Springs Park. Shout out to them sticking around for that yeah. one. Uh, but Alowich was uh, was on that plane there and on the uh, the red eye flight back. I'm sure he did make the bench. Uh, so uh, uh, cool to see an, another uh, NPSL USL two uh, standout taking that next step as he joins Emmanuel Iwe as uh, now another NPSL alum uh, there for MNUFC two. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, for what it's worth, that uh, that MLS Nets Pro match ended up being just as crazy. It was three three and. Colorado yep. won on penalties. Uh, yep. There might have been a red card somewhere in there. I'm blanking, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, it's Colorado yeah. and Minnesota. If the MLS match didn't yeah. get a red card, then the, the next pro match had to. I mean, yeah. it's almost contractually obligated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, great for great for Masanvi. I mean, he had such a a great sort of breakout season with with Minneapolis City across so many competitions. Um, you know, even dating obviously back to that that Open Cup match. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, th- this is sort of the perfect uh, crescendo to all that. Uh, you know, great to see. I, you know, I don't know what his uh, plans are in terms of, of balancing this with, with college. I know there's some players that have plans to, to leave for college and come back, that, all that sort of stuff. So we'll see how that plays out. But, but just great in general that he's getting that exposure. This Minnesota United 2 team now with a couple players with uh, you know, NPSL or, or USL League 2 or, or UPSL connections right here in Minnesota, which is, which is really great. That's sort of the development ladder you'd like to see um and and you know i i certainly hope that he gets uh, uh minutes this season if he does score he might set a record for most different competitions to score goals in <laughs> yep. in uh in minnesota history at least because he's basically played in every league it's physically possible for him to play in uh in every competition but um yeah again he seems like a great guy from from everything i hear and i obviously got some some postseason accolades from from the fans from the citizens and, and so on and uh yeah great to see him uh right away find that next step in, uh, in his career yeah i mean just another guy to keep an eye on uh, another guy yeah. that we'll be talking about, about here on the podcast um you know as they take that as he takes that next step so um yeah uh huge congrats to both morgan turner and lois mazanvi on those on those signings and taking the next step in their respective careers but speaking of the npsl uh, we got the Midwest Regional 11 that have been announced since our last podcast aired. Uh, Jake Starling from Duluth, Tatsugi Kobayashi from Sioux Falls, Matthew Roberts from Med City, and Andres Garcia from Med City all make the Regional 11. And Jake Starling from Duluth makes the National 11 as well. So really cool um, honor there for Jake. And speaking of uh, you know National Lower League Soccer, the National Playoffs have ended in most lower tier leagues. Here are your sort of automatic bids, if you will, into next year's U.S. Open Cup and people who took home some national hardware. Uh, FC Motown wins the NPSL national title. Ventura County Fusion win USL League Two. Um, Des Moines ousted very, very early in that national tournament, too. Very surprising. They were the overall number one seed. Um, Orange County FC, not to be confused with Orange County SC. This particular Orange County not locked in a legal battle with the LA Galaxy currently. Um, but Orange County FC wins the UPSL national title and, uh, over on the women's side in the WPSL California storm win the WPSL. And one other note, which, uh, is, is local here. Congrats to Milwaukee Bavarians. They won the national amateur cup for the ninth time defeating Nova FC one nil, and they get an automatic bid in the 2023 U S open cup as well. And I think honestly, to tie it even more locally, this makes, uh, you know, this even, the feather in FC Minneapolis's cap just gets even even brighter, if you will, or even even more apparent uh, because, you know, they knocked Bavarians out last year in the quarterfinals of the AM Cup and then Bavarians come back this year and win and win the whole thing. So they're still yeah. the last team to beat Bavarians in the <laughs> National Amateur Cup, which is, a, you know, that's it's a pretty that's a massive. Oh, yeah. To be honest, Not too many teams get to say anything of that sort about Milwaukee Bavarians. So, yes, absolutely. Big credit to them. And, and of course, big credit to Milwaukee Bavarians who just continue to be uh, uh, undoubtable in their dominance of of this level of the game. Um, Every time you think there's maybe going to be a slump or something, they they show back up and they're ready for it. So, 
uh, yeah, congratulations to them. Congratulations to those those uh, four clubs that won the various uh, league titles. Uh, always fun to to you know. Eat. Although I would like for for Minnesotan teams to be more involved in in those portions of of the playoffs, still just fun to see how that all plays out. And um, as a person that's been involved in the NPSL for a long time, I, I uh, love seeing um, actual clubs win the league instead of uh, the reserve sides for defunct NASL teams winning it every year. Uh, so uh, shout out to Motown for, for bringing that home. And uh, yeah, no, just uh, exciting couple uh, week or so uh, just across the country, different teams getting some honors. Uh, and, and congratulations, of course, to those four guys for um, the regional 11 spots and then Jake for the national 11. All four of them put in great years. Obviously, two of those guys in Med City won the conference title this year uh 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 kobayashi you know sioux falls had such a great year this season in comparison to the last couple then he was a big part of that credit to him and uh jake starling you know three-year vet with with this duluth fc side he's been here so long he actually played with sean morgan (laughs) wow that's crazy Uh, (laughs) so uh you know shout out to jake uh he's a florida man but he feels like he's probably from duluth at this point uh and uh yeah just great for him to have uh that accolade to take home and i I think i said something about this on my twitter or something when when this news came out but it's really cool the mpsl north even though a a north club has not um won the mpsl national title before um the mpsl north is always well represented in these these postseason uh awards the regional obviously but but also the national 11 uh, there's been in Duluth, Minneapolis, Med City players, particularly every year. Uh, there, there's been at least one representative um, ever since this format and in the previous format as well. There was usually representative. So, uh, yeah, just great to see the the conference, even in a year that ended a little bit, you know, on, on an unfortunate note with those those playoff losses. Still see uh, the conference represented at that at that level was uh, just just uh, another encouraging uh, detail. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Um, and so, uh, an MASL division one to get back to the uh, local soccer scene here, uh, Camargo hold the top spot with the season done at 33 points from 18 games, uh, force FC do have a game in hand, uh, against segments on the 14th and a win would see force win the championship by one point. This is almost like golf Dom where Camargo (laughs) is in the clubhouse. They have the, they have the score to beat and uh, the other team still, the other guy's still on the course. (laughs) <laughs> to, yeah. to, to try to win it this is very very interesting uh but yes we will uh get a decisive winner of masl division one uh the 14th i'm trying to do math here that's sunday right yeah it's sunday yeah. so uh yeah very very cool it's going to be forest or camargo but just another exciting season uh in the uh, masl and then up north congrats to portside fc they win the 2022 duluth amateur soccer league title with a 2-0 win over schultz city uh, Team Evil are uh, they? They won the third place game as well. So the DASL another successful season for them uh, moving forward. Uh, Dom, any other thoughts on lower league soccer before we uh, cut to our top four segment? Uh, just uh, yeah, I mean congratulations to to well, not congratulations yet to Camargo or Force, but congratulations to whoever comes out on top of that one. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and congrats to both at least on on having obviously great seasons. Uh, congrats to Portside. That's really cool uh, uh, to, to win uh, the Dassel title. Um, I, I know people on almost all of the Dassel teams, so congrats to the people I know on Portside. Uh, and uh, and shout out to Team Evil as well. Um, a lot of the, the Duluth FC coaching staff actually play for, for Team Evil, so shout out to them. Um, or they used to. I don't know if they did this season. but uh, and, and yeah, you know, MA, on the MASL side, uh, seems like all four divisions have had really exciting seasons. I've, I've done my best to kind of keep track of that along with everything else. And, and it's been fun to watch that. Uh, you know, I know for a while this year, um, Deportivo Minnesota were really in the running for that, that division one title. And, and obviously Forrest kind of jumped into the mix there and are, are in, in position to get something. So that that's been exciting to keep track of and, and, uh, best of luck. Uh, well, yeah, best of luck to Forrest with, with the game they have left. And, and otherwise, congratulations to Camargo, of course, for, for the great year. But, yeah, just great to see that that level of the game continue to thrive in Minnesota uh, all, all over the place, you know, multiple leagues and multiple cities. But 
great to see that continue to grow, continue to develop. And, you know, the MASL has been a, a great uh, proving ground and, and, and a first home for a lot of teams that have grown far beyond it. I mean, everyone from, uh, you know, gosh, uh, I mean, Minneapolis City to a degree um, to, you know, UPSL sides like, you know, Turbo or, or, or Valora, who still have a team in, in the MASL and uh, Dassel too. Duluth FC was born in Dassel. So yeah, great to see those leads continue to thrive because you never know um, who in there is going to sort of grow and become a bigger force at the national level. So yeah, again, um, best of luck with the remaining games and congratulations to the winners. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Ninth Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista. I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Ninth Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Ninth Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Ninth. Ninth Street MPLS, that's Ninth and Street, both spelled out N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online. NightStreetMPLS.com. Little programming note before we get to top four. You might be wondering, well, you guys talk Minnesota United, but you didn't mention Jonathan Gonzalez. You didn't mention Mender Garcia. You didn't mention the signings this week. What gives? Uh, that's going to be the topic of our 10K stoppage time segment. So we are going to sort of recap uh, Minnesota United's uh, secondary transfer window, uh, the three guys that they brought in with, uh, with Benitez, Gonzalez, and Garcia. So um, stay tuned for that on 10k stoppage time which you actually hear right now over on patreon.com slash soda soccer all right dom top four time i will get us kicked off top four soccer related news stories that maybe don't fit with the uh the the format of the podcast but still you know maybe worthy of a mention uh my first one is uh so we talked about the all-star game but uh, during the, I believe it was an interview either during the match or maybe in a post-game press conference or something along those lines, um, MLS Commissioner Don Garber says 2023's All-Star format may change because now the MLS versus Liga MX format is working. I like that a lot. But he says because the League's Cup in 2023 will already feature you know pretty heavy competition between MLS and Liga MX clubs, then it may not make sense to, it may be a little bit redundant to also have that format for the 2023 All-Star game. So uh, we may get a new format in 2023. Dom, your thoughts on the potential change and what what if there is a change, what do you want to see? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I uh, I can appreciate that a lot of people do enjoy when they bring uh, like a, a bigger team from, from say, uh, Europe to, to play the MS All-Stars. I hate it. I hate it, Dom. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not into that. Um, if that's what they do, that's what they do. And I'm sure there's people that are going to enjoy it, but that's not really what I, I don't see the same value in that, um, as something like what they're doing now with, with legal MX. Um, if you're, if they're going to change it, I guess what would come to mind to me as an interesting opportunity would be either to do what a lot of other American leagues do, where you do like an East versus West game, Mm -hmm. um, or, um, you know, I guess you could, br- I don't, I don't know. I don't know what this would, you know, from a sort of economic side, I don't know what this would, uh, if this would be what they want, but you could maybe bring, you know, I don't know, you bring, uh, the, the winner or the, or the, or the runner up from like the Copa Libertadores or something, something like that. My, for me, bringing a team from Europe it's not, you're not going to get the effort that you want from them. 
mm-hmm. and you're not going to get the raw competitiveness that MLS is going to want. Like mean, it, it, to me, it just, I know it sells tickets relatively well, although there's been years it hasn't, but it usually does. But from the perspective of actually having like a, a productive sporting event, to me, if you're bringing, you know, what, uh, Atletico Madrid a while back, uh, uh, what Juve- was Juventus a while back, you know, those sorts of teams, uh, it just feels too much like a, like a sideshow to me. Yeah. Uh, and so I'd rather they don't do that. You know, to pr- pr- be perfectly honest, the more, the, 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 the easy answer would be to do a, a Pro Bowl. Yeah, East versus do West. Do an MLS Pro Bowl. I mean, just to do East versus West because that's what literally every, every other league does already. And I think there's um, enough there's enough talent in the league now that I think you could do that where maybe it didn't make sense in 1998 to do sure. it that way sure. or even maybe 2008 to do it that way. I think there's enough talent in the league that I think you would still get um, it would still be entertaining. I think you would still get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of name value out of it, if you will. Um, I, I think you could get away with doing that if you wanted to make it simple. Another thing I could do, and I believe the NHL has done this in the past, I would almost like to see the top American-born players versus the top international players. Mm. Like something like yeah. that. I think it'll be an interesting interesting format. Um, I've seen some people on Twitter say, do the MLS All-Stars against the U.S. men's national team. Um, mm. That could be interesting. And especially if there are, you know, there are a handful of guys that fit both, yeah. both of those formats now. So... Um, so I think there are ways you could do it. You don't have to do MLS versus League MX, but I do think in a non-Leagues Cup year, this is the format. I think they have found the format um, because it's USA, Mexico. It's, you know, it's two leagues that are so close in proximity um, and, and they're they're very even in terms of talent and their standing. Um, you know, the, Mex- the, the Mexican media and their supporters get into it. You know, there's a... There's a league, the MLS and League MX are interesting because they're, I think they're two of the only leagues in the world that have like league um, support. Like they're like, people will rally around the league itself, right? Sure. You won't see that in the Premier League. You won't see that in Syria. You won't see that in, in, in anywhere else, really. Maybe even in, in South America. I don't know if you would see that. I don't know en- enough about, uh, you know, the Brazilian League or any of those other leagues yeah. to know that for a fact. But I do think you have this unique aspect of these two leagues specifically where people will rally around and root for the league itself if the if put in this sort of scenario. So I understand that next year may be a little redundant to do it along with the League's Cup, but I hope that if they do switch in in 2023, that they bring it back as sort of that, that regular format in, in a non-League's Cup year, so to speak. No, I think that's a fair point, and I and I get what you're saying. I, I do think, particularly, obviously, when it is uh, a, a, aside from the United States versus aside from Mexico, there is like a very unique uh, unity factor that develops. Mm-hmm. Um, that that obviously we've seen in various situations be used and and, and come to fruition uh, mm-hmm. in these All Star games. I mean, even the you know obviously Seattle winning the uh ccl recently and in previous finals where it's been an mls and an illegal mx side or a semifinal. um yeah no i i really like what they're doing now i i understand the point that uh that don garber's probably making which is that if it's going to be a year where there's already a lot of that happening then it might the then the the, the all-star game might feel overly redundant but i i hope that they don't then just decide to kind of put it back to where it was like five years ago. Um, mm. and, and hopefully they, they still try to make something sort of constructive out of it. Um, so, but yeah, no, so I, I, did, I really like where it's at. So I did find it. So the NHL, it wasn't American born players against the world. It was North American players against mm. the rest of the rest of the world. That would right. be interesting. I think for yeah. a, uh, for an MLS all-star game, do the, uh, the U S and Canadian born players on one team and then do sort of the rest of the world on another right. team. I, I think that would be uh, th- I would be intrigued by that probably more than even in East West. So we'll see what they do in 2023. But interesting to ponder the options. Um, but I think we're both in unity. We don't want them to just bring uh, Aston Villa or yeah. West Ham or uh, Man City or whoever over to just you know to, to play the MLS All Stars. I don't think yeah. there's there's really much of a uh, appeal to that. All right, Dom, what's your first uh, your story here? Uh, my my first is is sort of just a, a shout out, but it's a Shout out to a, 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 a company, a, a business that has been a, a huge supporter of us that I finally got to, to, to go to after yes. 
uh, years of laziness, uh, which was um, uh, Ninth Street Soccer and, and, and Coffee, which I uh, now now I think it's probably been a week since I went because um, I think I went last Friday. But um, yeah, uh, anyway, went went for a, for a pickup and a pint uh, deal that they do, and uh, went with a, a friend. And then obviously, what you played? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you just went to enjoy a beverage. No, 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 no. How'd you no, do? No. Uh, I was okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first. Yeah, I remember. I had COVID at the start of July, so this is the first athletic thing I had done in like a while. So it could have been better, but uh, but it was fun. It was really good. To, and actually, if I had to say anything to sort of get my point across of my endorsement or whatever, it was that yeah, you know, I went with was we and a friend signed up together, and then obviously it was picked up. So there was a couple. There was a kind of another group of friends, a couple individuals, whatever. And, you know, end up playing and, and, and obviously ended up getting uh, uh, the beer and so on. And the whole thing was, you know, it was fun, obviously competitive when, when we're playing. But this, there was a really nice, like, fun vibe about it all of, you know, obviously you want to do well against each other in the, in the sort of sporting performance moments. But when that's not happening, it was, it was jokes. It was fun. It was conversation. It was obviously having the drink on the side, all that stuff. And uh, I had a really nice time. Um, yeah, I mean, everything, everything went really well. So uh, just wanted to sort of shout out to 9th Street because obviously they uh, are f- featured in one way or another on, on the podcast all the time. But um, partly because obviously I wasn't, I wasn't living here. Um, I haven't well, really had a chance loose. to. So, like, don't say you were lazy by not <laughs> going to 9th Street. You were literally two and a half hours away. That's so. true. Only two and a half. But, uh, but no, yeah, it was, it was a great time great time and I'll, I'll i'll find probably another opportunity to do it again and i might uh you know i wouldn't be surprised if i end up there um to just you know watch some soccer at some point and grab coffee as well but um but yeah i, I was really impressed by uh the, the the playing um facilities and just just the whole experience so yeah just uh, just a big shout out to them and now if you're a manchester and this will actually bleed into my next uh story but if you're a manchester united fan first of all i'm sorry uh, second of all, <laughs> they do have, uh, the, uh, the twin cities, reds, the Minnesota reds, whatever they, whatever so, they call it, the they, uh, they meet up for, for Man U matches there at, at ninth street. So, um, just something to keep in mind as well. But speaking of Manchester United, uh, not only did they, uh, fall two to one to Brighton in their first match, which helped really makes me feel good about my prediction that they were actually going to be far and away the worst team of the top six in the, uh, in the premier yeah. league this yeah. year. Uh, it's looking good so far, but also uh, the supporters are sort of continuing on now this protest that started last year and the, the real jumping off point. Well, Manchester United supporters and fans have really hated the Glazer family as owners for a very long time, but um, the, the peak of this, the crescendo of this was last year, which was of course, when the super league was announced um, there were, there were protests all over the place, but the most intense protests came via Manchester United because uh, I believe this is, I think I have the date, May May 2nd of last year, prior to uh, a match against uh, Liverpool, uh, which we'll get into why that all comes back around in a minute. Um, the fans actually broke into Old Trafford and like rushed the pitch. And like, they thought they would just delay the game, but there was such a mass amount of humanity in and around on the field they even broke into a hotel like it was just it was craziness absolute chaos um they actually ended up having to postpone the match well the fans now are planning another protest this weekend if you look on twitter hashtag empty old trafford where they are wanting to completely boycott this weekend's match altogether and who are they playing liverpool so it's another man U liverpool match where another protest is going to take place i'm very interested to see how empty Old Trafford might actually be for this match and how much steam this is going to gain. I mean, this is one of the top stories on goal.com right now. So I have to imagine this is something that's, that's pretty big and pretty uh, legit, but um, yeah, the, the Glazer family probably, I mean, there's a lot of ownership in soccer that's hated by the supporters, but I have to, the, the most severe version of that I think is at Manchester United. So another protest happening this weekend, a boycott of the match. So um, I'm interested to see how those stands look and and if that makes a difference. Because if the if the Super League protest showed anything last year, is that supporters can affect change in soccer in a way that you know maybe not a lot, maybe no other sport can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see um, 
that uh, energy resurface uh, for, you know, ahead of, of, of this match. Um, you know, I, I think whatever people may, may feel about some of the details about, you know, how individuals express themselves and all that, I think most people can agree that the intention behind a lot of this was, was needed or well-meaning and, and the message of, of, of opposing things like the Super League was, was certainly well-meaning. Um, and I do think that one of the important factors in voicing against those things is consistency. Unfortunately, yep. these sorts of uh, movements, I guess, if you want to call them, they, they tend to be short of breath. And, you know, it, once they go quiet, it's, it's very easy for these uh, uh, very wealthy, secure people to just kind of go back to what they were doing. Um, so, you know, the fact that they want to speak out and, and address the fact that most of their concerns have not been addressed in any way at all. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I can I can respect that. Hopefully, obviously, the way things play out is 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 not you know uh only what is necessary but um yeah it, it's interesting to hear that that that's going to resurface i think um there's reason for positivity and negativity around that team uh, obviously a lot with negativity and and it'll be interesting to see like you said how that affects the game obviously it's a historical matchup uh, a historic rivalry that particularly recently has very much been um going liverpool's way uh, last season, what I think the aggregate was, you know, 10 or 11 0, um, which is wild because from for really all the seasons leading up to now, um, that game's usually been a draw. It's actually usually been a pretty boring game yep. uh, in recent years, basically since uh, Klopp uh, took over Liverpool. It's, but that match has usually ended up being a, a 1 1 or a 0 0. So, anyway, uh, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting energy and questions lying around that. It's going to be very interesting to watch that game with. Uh, a potentially um, empty or close to empty Old Trafford. Um, All right, what's your last uh, last thing, Dom? Yeah, I'll, I'll make my last thing actually um, just a, a brief stadium-related thing that you actually brought up and um, and sort of talked about a little bit, which is just sort of – I don't want to go too into the legal details because I'm not the expert to talk about that, but a shout-out to Orange County SC, not FC, yes. not the team that won the UPSL, SC. Uh, essentially, just to very briefly summarize, because there's essentially a, a legal issue developing in which um, it, it appears that the LA Galaxy are, are trying to um, basically attain exclusivity to Orange County SC's venue, which is also where the LA Galaxy 2 uh, play or, or, or sometimes play. I think they actually play at multiple stadiums, but um, and, and you know, a, a situation is developing that would leave. Orange County SC really without a home, um, which which of course at the, at the USL level, a lot of these clubs don't necessarily have the money to throw around to just make something new, um, and and so this is you know this is the, what where they call home, and and there's a lot of upset people right now about um, the moves being put in place to potentially change that. As far as I understand, a lot of this is still sort of up for vote through uh, you know the county and so on. Um, but I, I guess what I'll say more than any going into too much detail is just that I, I suggest that you go out and, and read about the situation. There's lots of places writing articles about it, um, soccer-related uh, websites, and, and I'm sure also it's just news in California as well that you could pick up on. But uh, I, I suggest looking into it because it's an interesting situation, you know, um, a sort of, of a budding of heads that uh, between USL and MLS that we haven't seen in this way uh, anytime recently particularly so uh you know it, it's concerning it's concerning to see a, a first division team sort of throw its weight around in a way that could really destabilize a second division side and uh i i really encourage just soccer fans in general to, to look into it and learn more about it yeah i mean this it's an interesting situation all the way around i think uh there was a bit of a win for orange county this week as the city council sort of took that off of their agenda to talk about because they have to get city council approval. There's like zoning approvals. There's all these different things that have to go, right. you know, that, that have to happen in order for the galaxy to get what they want and attain these rights. So it's just like, Hey, we want this. And somebody's gonna be like, Hey, here you go. Like there's a lot of red tape to cut through. Um, and the fact that the city council took it off the agenda, people are saying is a positive sign in Orange County's favor that maybe that exclusivity arrangement is not going to be as welcomed um, and uh, as easy for the Galaxy to obtain as they want. Another interesting part of this that has nothing to do with the legal aspect of it. It's just interesting that, you know, Orange County SC is USL Championship. LA Galaxy 2 is, is MLS Next Pro. 
Like, right. and so technically Orange County is is higher on the, the pyramid than LA Galaxy too. Uh, right. But obviously being an LA Galaxy organization, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, resources there that Orange County probably doesn't have being that they're just one of those USL clubs. So um, this is a obviously developing situation. I think uh, any fan of lower league soccer is going to be very much on the side of Orange County in this scenario. Um, so we'll, we'll see how this develops, but yeah, very, very interesting, uh, there in, uh, out West, but that'll do it for this edition of 10,000 pitches. Thank you guys so much for joining. If you want some more content from Dominic and myself, you just can't get enough 10 K or Minnesota soccer talk in your life. Fear not. We have 10 K stoppage time over on patreon.com slash soda soccer, where Dom and I are breaking down the sightings of Minnesota United secondary transfer window. Benitez, Gonzalez. Garcia, all of them are now Minnesota United players, and we are going to break down all those signings, what it means moving forward, the roles they could play this season and beyond. It's all there for you. Patreon.com slash soda soccer. Just five bucks a month, or you can subscribe to one of those, subscribe to one of those higher tiers if you want um, and help support us even more. But yeah, support us and get some great content in the process. Patreon.com slash soda soccer. All right, have a great weekend, guys. Enjoy the games, and we will catch you next week for another episode of Tank. Bye.